This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome back in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. The man is back, Matt Verderam, from his three-week hiatus from the show, took a little vacation, made you all suffer through an entire episode of me rambling for... 30 minutes, missed the entire Travis Kelsey name confusion debacle situation um, that was the title of our last episode. Matt, welcome back. Good to have you back. It's almost time for some football, man. How was your vacation? Thanks. It was good. It was good. I uh, I can't complain. Got got away, went to the East Coast for about 20 days, saw a lot of family and, and friends, and happy to do it. If there's a time in the year where I can kind of take some vacation, July is usually it. There's not a lot going on. Now I'm back. Um, I'm looking forward to it all. Look, we got training camp here that's effectively starting in a couple of days. Quarterbacks reporting and, and then the rest of the team following suit a few days later. Um, it's time. It's time to get back at it and, and get prepared for the 2021 season. And, you know, the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites in every book in Vegas. So it's a good time to be a Chiefs fan and, and, can they go? Can they go three in a row? Can they, in, in terms of getting back to the Super Bowl three years in a row? If they do it, they're only the fourth team in NFL history to ever go to three straight Super Bowls. So uh, lofty, lofty, lofty expectations for a team trying to uh, continue to write its own history. Yeah, it's really like I, I try not to think too much about that stuff. You know, that, that just knowing how difficult it is to even get to back-to-back Super Bowls, let alone win them. But – you just, I, I have so much confidence in this team. Uh, you, you look at them, they're so good. They're so talented. It's, it, yes, you know, anything can happen, right? Like we saw it with, the, with the, the Tampa Bay game, like you get injuries or you, you have a bad game, you run into a situation. And if that happens in the playoffs, you, you, these guys aren't invincible, but 
they're pretty close to invincible. I mean, they're that good. We've seen it over the last few years when they put their heads down and they focus. What do you think the the odds are? Do you, do you put a lot of stock in like, hey, look, there's parity. It's just going to be really difficult. Like they probably won't make it back. Or are you just looking at it from season to season and be like, look, man, every year is new and these guys are really good? You know, I usually look at it historically. And I say that the odds are just stacked against you. It is just so hard to get because the other thing too is you're playing extra games every year, right? Like you're, you know, the Chiefs have played six extra games over the last two seasons. Um, but I put the most stock in this day and age, the way the game is played now. Who's your quarterback and who is your head coach? Those two things to me. I look if you're trying to predict games on a week in week out basis. Okay, the injury reports are about the same. Who's the coach? Who's the quarterback on each side? But for the length of a season, that is absolutely number one as to what I look at. Who's the quarterback? Who's the man running the show? Kansas City has the best quarterback in football and has, at worst, the second best coach in, in the NFL. And when you have that, if they're healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. Like if they had that in just an average team, they, they, they would win 11 or 12 games and they'd be in the mix. But they don't have an average team. They've got a team with four or five Hall of Famers on it. So when you have that, combined with the fact, look, I think the Chargers are an interesting team, but they're not ready to compete with Kansas City yet. Denver and, and Vegas, to me, do nothing for me. Um, I like Denver's Ross. They have no quarterback. It gets an easy division. So I think for Kansas City, I, the AFC is a better conference than the NFC, in my opinion. I, I think there's just more more depth, um, and the NFC is a little more top-heavy. But who's beating the Chiefs? Like, if Mahomes is upright, Who's beating them? Uh, it, you know, that's the that's the thing I always come back to. You could sit there and say, "Well, I don't think they can get the three straight Super Bowls. I don't think they can host four straight AFC title games." Okay, fine. Who's beating them? And that was always the thing I looked at when the Patriots were at the peak of their powers. Who's going into Foxborough and beating them? Someone's got to do it. And some years you would say, "Well, Peyton Manning and maybe the Colts or the Broncos, maybe you know the Steelers and Roethlisberger have a shot." But most years you'd go, "Uh, nobody." Nobody's going to go in there and beat them. Like it, it usually took either an injury with them or some kind of a down performance. I think with the Chiefs, it's the same thing. You're going to have to have either injuries to Kansas City or, and this, this does happen, just a just a bad game at the wrong time. Chiefs had it in the Super Bowl last year where injuries in a bad game caught up with them, right? Like that can happen in an AFC playoff game. But if you said to me, you got to bet your life who's going to be in the Super Bowl out of the AFC, I mean, yeah, it's Kansas City. And I think most people to cover the league, to watch the league, we feel the same way. And let's not forget, if D Ford doesn't jump off sides, they do go to three Super Bowls in a row. They've already done that. They'd be going for four Super Bowls in a row, which would just be uh, insane. You know what? I I have a theory on that. And because I, I think about that sometimes. I think if D Ford was onside, they wouldn't have gone to the last two Super Bowls. And the reason being, if D Ford's onside and they go to the Super Bowl, I think they would have beaten the Rams. I think they would have won that game. I know they played them earlier and they lost in that crazy game in LA. I, I think the Chiefs, having seen them a second time, I don't think they would have turned the ball over six. I mean, the Chiefs scored 51 points and had six turnovers. I think the Chiefs just would have beaten them in that game. I also think if they had won that game, Bob Sutton is still the defensive coordinator. And they would not have overhauled that defense. You probably wouldn't have Tyron Matthew. You probably would have kept D Ford, who has been a shell of himself since that season. Like, I think there's a good chance that the Chiefs team looks a hell of a lot different. Frank Clark's not on the team, right? Like, who knows, uh, you know, how different it looks. 
I actually think, in a weird way, D Ford being offsides is the best thing that happened to them long term. Even though it cost them that Super Bowl, and it and it did. It obviously at least cost them the appearance. You know, we can argue whether they would have won the game. I think the best thing that happened in a way was that because it, it forced them to blow that thing up defensively and get Spagnolo and sign Tyron Matthew and let D Ford go in a trade that ends up netting them an extra pick that got them Juan Thornhill. So I I know that's a weird way of looking at it, but I actually think that in the long haul, they were better off. Because I think if he look, if they win that Super Bowl, you're probably paying D Ford. You're not firing Bob Sutton. Like the defense wasn't good, but you're not firing a defensive coordinator. You just won a Super Bowl. I, I I really think this team in the long run was better off, even though it was really painful in the moment. You know, that's fascinating. I hadn't really considered that. I, I don't like to try to spend a lot of time thinking about that game or what would have happened. Yeah. If they you know, most people it's oh yeah, he doesn't jump off sides, the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and they and they really have a good chance of probably winning it. And now you bring that up. I'm looking back and I think you're right, man. Like maybe, maybe it never happens. Maybe the defense stinks. Maybe they have a, the year that they did win the Super Bowl, they have a down year because it's like, oh yeah, this defense isn't good. By the way, they don't make the aggressive moves that they had to make. And, and, and and you, you could even look at last year's Super Bowl loss. If things work out this year and this offensive line is as good as we think it can be. And the offense is as unstoppable as we think it could be with Mahomes having all this time and the run game improving. And they win like, you know, two of the next three Super Bowls or something crazy like that. It might be a blessing in disguise that they got their butts whooped by Tampa Bay. Yeah. Oh, no question. And I've gone on record on this podcast and I think I've written it. I think this is going to be the best offense they've ever had. Ever. In the history of the franchise. I really do. I think this is going to be the best offense they've ever had because of the line. Like people... We spend way too much time as a whole when discussing the NFL talking about weaponry and who's got the best receiving core. That's all fine. Like, I'll give you an example, okay? Denver's receivers are really good. Cortland Sutton is a really good player. No offense, a nice young tight end. Okay, Jerry Judy, I think, is going to be a really nice, you know, thousand yard type of player for them. It doesn't matter because their quarterback sucks and their offensive line isn't good outside of Garrett Bowles. Uh, in glass now. It's just not good. It's not It's not a good unit. I'll give you another example. The Giants. I think the Giants have talent coming out of their ears offensively. Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Darius Toney, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. list goes on. They have a terrible line. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. They have no line. They can't block. Kansas City... Hill and Kelsey are amazing. And and combined with Mahomes, yes. Even behind a bad offensive line, that team is just going to figure out ways to score. They're so innovative with the enemy and Reed. Sure. Do you know how good they're going to have to you know how good they're going to be now? Where they're not going to have to scheme around the offensive line, and that's a strength. And they're just going to be able to go, Patrick, why don't you just sit back there for three seconds and let it rip to whoever gets open? But you know who's going to benefit the most? McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. You watch. Because they're going to have another second to get open. Mahomes isn't going to be running for his life. Like, I think to me, that is, that is other than the health of Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, because that is the, the holy trinity for them. If that offensive line is what we think it's going to be, they're going to be almost scoring at will. Nobody is stopping that team. Like, I, I go back to those, those Rams teams, those, those, you know, the, the greatest show on turf, right? And everybody thinks about Warner and Falk and Bruce and Holt and, and, and rightfully so. They're all famous. 
or they, at least three of them are Holt, Holt, I think, will be one day, should be. There's also another Hall of Famer on that team nobody ever talks about, Orlando Pace. Warner never got hit because Orlando Pace could deal with anybody one-on-one. He's one of the most dominant left tackles ever. Well, now, look, I'm not saying Orlando Brown's Orlando Pace, although you're halfway home with the name, I guess. But you have a guy now who you're not going to have to chip and help out all the time. That's another thing, by the way, that doesn't get talked about. When you have a really good offensive line, as the Chiefs, I believe, will, and you don't have to chip, you get more guys into the pattern. It becomes harder to blitz you because all of a sudden, hey, we got five guys out in the pattern. We're going empty. We got to be able to, you got to be able to scheme up defensively to handle that. You don't, you know, a lot of times last year, they'd be, okay, we're going to chip the tight end. We're going to chip at the back. Once a guy chips, you can grab him a little bit. You can keep him in. If, if the Chiefs are going five wide or they're just going empty and the running back's going to leak out into the flat, all of a sudden as a defense, you have to account for that. Like a lot of times, if you're a linebacker and you're, you're in a, a defense that's aggressive, Maybe you're that middle linebacker and it's like, all right, look, you're going to blitz on this play unless the back releases. If the back releases and you have to go with the back. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're the Chiefs, you don't have to chip. You don't have to keep guys in as much. So now you 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 let Edwards Alaire go run a route. Well, now that backer who is going to blitz can't. And it's four on a really good five. And they've got to guard you one-on-one with a couple of safeties over the top. If you're the Chiefs, you're going to win all day doing that. So I, I think I think the offense is in great position. And yes, you're right. If the line was good enough last year, they win that Super Bowl. Look, all happy they win the Super Bowl. But you're probably running back some of that line. Maybe they're willing to say, "Hey, let's see how Fisher returns. Hey, let's take a shot with Austin Ryder one more year." They didn't do that. They blew it up, and now they have one of the best offensive lines in football. It's very exciting for me because I have Ceh on my dynasty fantasy team, and I could use a few more receptions out of him. All right, uh, today, today's uh, Arrowhead Attic podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Yo, it's summer, y'all. It's hot, it's sticky, and the last thing you want is to be even grosser than you probably already are on a daily basis. Just really complimenting the listeners out there. Um, <laughs> if you, if yeah, you know, if you sit all day like me, you, you want to stay fresh. You want to make sure you're showered up every day. It gets warm. Manscaped's got you covered. They've just released the Lawnmower 4.0. This thing's like space age, age stuff for RAM. It's got like an, a 4000K LED spotlight on it. Might be too, too bright. I don't know if I want to see everything that's going on down there. Um, when I'm trimming up, <laughs> but, um, and I, I was singing that. So they got, they've got a, uh, they've got a new product. Uh, I think it's new. It's called the Weed Whacker. It's like an ear and nose hair trimmer. I mentioned this on the podcast last week. I don't know if this has happened to you. Are you 30 yet? You turned 30, right? 30. I turned 33 on August 4th. 33. That's right. Yeah. I, I just assume everybody is way younger than me because I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40 here. Um, did you notice that like somewhere around like 28, 29, 30 that like, like I, I never had to trim my eyebrows or anything like that. Like they just, they were like a, they were as long as they were. And then like at 30, they started going, growing straight out of my head. Yeah, it's a disaster. It's a, listen, I, I will tell you in the last year, got that ear, ear and nose trimmer, right? And then, and then, uh, yeah, now like if I go get a haircut, and it was, I didn't for like a year, uh, cause of COVID. And, and look, I know we don't do this on video, but people who have seen me who know me, I have really short hair. I just always have. I always kind of have like a military cut. Um, so I can just do it myself. It's not really that difficult to save 15 bucks. No, 
But I actually went to get a haircut like a month ago because my eyebrows were so unruly. I was like, look, I, it's <laughs> worth $15 at this point to just go in. And my wife was like, well, I'll do it for you. There was no chance in hell I was letting her near me. Not, I, I, at that point, that's just begging for a practical joke where I wake up with no eyebrows. Yeah, so yeah. I went in and got, but yes, absolutely. That, that is a, that is a literally a growing problem. I'm like a, I'm like a Muppet. I've got very thin, not thin eyebrows, but they're, they thin out as they, they're very light and they're like, they're, they're a little darker closer to my nose and then they get really light as they go out. Um, and, uh, and so I don't pay as much attention to them. And I, same thing happened to me during COVID. I didn't bring my trimmers up to Wisconsin and I like looked at the mirror one day was like, my, my God, like I look completely crazy. So get some manscaped is what we're trying to tell you. As you're getting older, ear hair, nose hair, all that stuff, get the weed whacker, get the lawnmower 4.0, and you can do it and you can support this podcast by using the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's fansided20. That'll get you 20% off your order, free shipping. They've got the lawnmower 4.0. They've got the weed whacker. They've got the ball deodorant, the crop preserver stuff that I, I always talk about. Hook them, hook yourself up, hook up the people in your lives. And, and, and keep it clean down there. All right. Thank you to Manscaped for supporting the show. Fansided20, manscaped.com. All right. Let's get back into Chiefs football talk. So a few things happened while you were away, Verderam. And one of them was the Melvin Ingram signing. He went to Pittsburgh. So there was a lot of talk. The Chiefs had Melvin Ingram in weeks ago. And said that, you know, they were, seemed like they were interested. Ian Rappaport was on NFL.com saying the Chiefs still might sign him, particularly with the, with the Frank Clark legal troubles popping up, trying to get a little insurance. Yep. And he, and then all of a sudden, like really quickly, it came out, oh, he's, he's visiting the Steelers. Steelers are interested. And he, he goes to Pittsburgh and he signs. And I tweeted this out. And this was before the, the, the contract details came out. And I said, look, if the Chiefs really wanted Melvin Ingram, they'd have signed him. Like they've got the cap space. There's no reason. Like this, the Frank Clark stuff's going on. They need pass rush help. Like what? Why wouldn't they have signed him by now? Why would they even let him go to Pittsburgh if they right. really wanted him? And some people were like, "Well, you don't know that Brett Veach is a good GM. He's just got some. You know, he's just got some. Maybe it was too expensive." Well, it comes out the contract is one year, four million dollars with the Steelers. I mean, come on. Like, how much cheaper was Brett Veach hoping to get? I, I guess, like, maybe I, you wait until training camp and, you know, he comes in and he signs for, what, two million, three million? It is Melvin Ingram. Like, he's on the back end of his career, but like, how much, like, at this point, what, what's, what were you really saving? What, what's your take on this? So, look, I, not to, uh, like, Ian does fine work, but I've been reporting and, and writing and, talking about this Melvin Ingram thing since they, they visited with him the day of. And I, I will say now what I said the, literally the day he visited with the team, he had a good visit with the Chiefs. Both sides felt good about it. Um, and my understanding was it really did pretty much come down to it at that time. Um, it was a fact-finding visit. They felt good. I think you know a lot of it comes down to two. And the guy plays seven games. You, know, you want to find out about how, how's he feeling health-wise. You come full our scheme. What do you think about playing in our in our role that we'd have for you? Um, and it was a good visit. But in the end, he does sign Pittsburgh. And I do think, believe it or not, I do think that money kind of played into it. Now, you, I agree with you. Look, one year, $4 million is not expensive from Elephant Ingram. Chiefs have $7.9 million in cash space. Most teams do not want to go below about $5 million in space. 
just in case an emergency crops up and you need that money and you got to go get somebody who's really impactful. Or there's an opportunity that comes up that you just can't pass up and you got to dip into the fund a little bit. I think the fact that they've not extended Tyron Matthew really hurt them here. If they had and they had opened up money, because they'll open up a significant amount of money if and when they extend Matthew, I think the, I think the Ingram thing would have happened. Um, it was not a, a lack of interest. I think it was a lack of available funds. And I think the, I think the, the idea was, like, if they could sign Matthew that extension, the cap opens up, then maybe you, you revisit and double back. Now, I do think the Chiefs tried to cover their ass by essentially signing Alex Oak for the next day. Okay. Um, and, and we don't have the contract details on that. I haven't seen them emerge anywhere, but I'm sure that's going to be a one year deal for a low salary. I would, I would expect maybe half of what Melvin Ingram got. So, um, the Chiefs would in that case stay above that $5 million threshold and, and they get a player who look, is is a good player, is a rotational guy who's been on the team a couple of years, who certainly knows the defense, who can play three downs. Okafor does not have the high upside of Melvin Ingram, but he's a solid rotational player. You could do worse than having Alex Okafor as a guy who comes in and plays, you know, half your snaps. So I do think the Chiefs kind of covered themselves. And this part I'm just kind of editorializing on. Maybe the Chiefs looked at it and said, we'd really like to get Ingram. And if we can open up the cap space to, to do so comfortably, we will. If we can't, we know we've got Okafor on the back burner. I still am more peeved, frankly, that I, I think I think losing Prashad Breland was insane. For the amount of money that he was going to cost and ended up costing for Minnesota, I don't get that. Like to me, he's the kind of guy, considering their positional need and value, I would have just said, look, I don't care. Like we need to get that done. Take care of business. Those two sides had a good relationship. And Breland, after he signed Minnesota, flat out said, I thought I was going to back to Kansas City. So, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the Chiefs didn't have interest in him. They did. Um, they just, they just didn't bring him back. And I, I think with the edge, with, with Jones kicking outside, you bring back Okafor. I like Mike Dan a lot more maybe than some others. I think he's a pretty good rotational kid. And you got Taco Charlton, Frank Clark, of course. I think the Chiefs will be okay there if Jones stays outside. Now, if he doesn't, then I think there's a significant hole there. But I, I think that was kind of the plan when they signed Jerron Reed. We're going to give Jones a lot of snaps out there. I'm more worried about corner. Like, I love Sneed, and I really like Fenton. Ward is a, a solid two. Like, I can live with Traverius Ward as my number two. You're one injury away from major issues there. Like you better like that is if if you ask me other than like an injury to you know Mahomes or Kelsey or Hill, what is the biggest way you see this season getting derailed? That's how injuries to yeah. their corners. Yeah, that I think that's a how. great point. And 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 last year they had injuries. They had some people in and out. Right? They didn't have Snead for a big portion of the year. And right, half the year. And and what we talked a lot about was hey, like the, the Chiefs are in good shape because they've got so much depth at corner and losing Breland. Hurts that depth. Maybe they know something about the young guys that we don't, but, or, and, you know, maybe it was a money situation, but I think it comes down to, to, to just touch back on Ingram for a minute. And I'm not saying money wasn't a factor here, but what I'm saying is if they thought Melvin Ingram can be a big impact player for us this year, right. they'd have signed him and figured it out. I, I, I agree. Right? I agree with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and I, and they probably just, they're looking at him and they're like, yeah, maybe he's, you know, Maybe he's got a little something left in the tank, but he's probably an injury risk. And, you know, is it worth putting ourselves in the cap situation 
to get maybe a couple extra sacks from a guy who's going to be part-time player. And Justin Houston's still out there, right? Yeah, which I, again, you know, a lot of times a guy like Ingram or Houston, established star, veteran players, if they're out there at this point, it's because of one of two things. They're either hurt, which is no reason to think Justin Houston's hurt. He hasn't missed a game in two years. Or because they're asking for more money than they can get. And I, I wonder, too, with Ingram, was that part of this, too? He ends up signing for one year, four million, but was he asking for one year, four million? I can tell you right now, I, I don't think that was the case when he visited Kansas City. I don't. I, I do not believe that to be the case. And by the way, just to, um, to kind of go full circle on my thought with the corner, they really like DeAndre Baker. If he's healthy, I think that makes a big difference. Cause they, when they, look, I could, I, I'll say this. When they brought in Mike Hughes, I think that was more of a lottery ticket. Like, hey, look, if we can make that work, great. If we can't, fine. Like, he has not been good in Minnesota in, in the early going of his career, first three years. Baker was not great in New York his rookie season. He's only played one year. Like, he'd only played one year, and then he had the legal issues last year. He, like, when they brought him in, that was, that was not as like, hey, he's a lottery ticket. That, my understanding when they signed him was, look, we believe that this kid's going to be able to compete next year in training camp for a job. Now, of course, he ends up breaking his leg. We'll see how healthy he is coming to start a camp, but he's somebody that there was a thought like, no, look, this kid, this kid can really play. Like, high on him coming into the draft, the whole deal ends up going to the Giants. So, while Hughes, I do think they view as like, hey, if we can fix him, great. If not, so be it. With Baker, I think there's more of an expectation. Like, no, no, no. We, we think he can play. And if he's healthy, we expect him to. So he is the wild card in that group. If they're, if the Chiefs bring him in, you know, this, this summer and you know, can work with him for a full training camp and they're right and he ends up being a really good player, then letting Breland go makes more sense. If you're wrong about Baker or he just can't hack it because he's hurt right now, then you you might be thinking about adding a guy at the end of camp, right? And that may be part of this too. There's always guys that get cut. That always happens. You know, I know I know there are fans out there right now screaming, what about Richard Sherman? Look, even the legal troubles aside, he's a cover three corner. That's what he's done his whole career. To ask him to come into Kansas City scheme and play a ton of man, I, I think is a bad idea. I, I do not think that would work out well. We saw Sherman one on one with Watkins in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, like I'm not saying look, Sherman's a Hall of Fame player. I'm not saying he couldn't adjust, but in, at this stage in his career, I do not think him playing a lot of man and pressed man is a great idea. Yeah, agreed. And and I was going to make the the point that you just made, which is player movement is not over. There are what ninety guys on the rosters right now, something like that. Yep. Um, and, and as, as we get into training camp, this always happens. There's always some surprise cuts. There's always some veterans who can still play. They end up being cap casualties because a team drafts a young guy and they're looking at him and they're like, you know what? Let's get this guy in here, you know? And, and teams are in right. different places. They're not all where Kansas City is. Kansas City at this stage is, is trying to find a mix of young guys and veterans. They're going to value maybe some veteran leadership, some depth. There are some younger teams out there, teams that know they're not going to contend this year, and they're looking at the roster and they're like, "Look, we're paying this guy. He's old, right? Like, let's we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Let's just get this right. young guy in and get him the reps." And then all of a sudden, somebody hits the market. Um, so you never know who's going to be available. It, 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 look, the Chiefs aren't going to go out there and get uh, Aaron Donald or something like that. You know, when the cuts happen, be nice. I, I... <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. Um, 
if he if he somehow uh yeah let's get him on the let's get him on the Raiders and uh maybe that maybe that'll be possible but um you know it's 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 an opportunity and there may be guys there could be there could be guys that are undrafted rookies that they really like there could be um you know first second year guys that that teams are just they have a lot of depth at a position they end up being a cap casualty they end up being a roster casualty a depth casualty and the Chiefs swoop in and get them and they've got the depth that they need. Matt Connor made a great point on the on the podcast a couple of days ago, and he was talking about Melvin Ingram. And he's like, "Look, I know Okafor is not like sexy, right? It's not the sexy signing." And he's like, "We as fans, like, we get really excited. Oh, Melvin Ingram is a big name, and there's an unknown, right? You know what you're gonna get from Okafor. It's not terribly exciting, but it's not bad either. And well, well, maybe what if? What if he's? What if he's okay? What if his? What if his?" his injuries hold up and all that stuff. And I think he's right in that as we saw with Le'Veon Bell last year, oftentimes these things, they don't work out more often than they do work out. There's a reason why somebody sits out there for so long. Usually there's a reason why, you know, he didn't get any sacks in the games that he did play and wasn't very uh, effective as great of a player as he was. Sometimes they dig deep. Sometimes they come back and have one more good productive season, but it's probably unlikely, and uh, maybe the Chiefs made the right call here by just seeing what they can get later. And, and you're right. Like, the player movement's never done it. And one thing about Brett Beach, he's shown he's aggressive. They don't sit back. I mean, if there's one thing about Kansas City under Beach, they go for it. They are in on every player. They're involved. I mean, like I remember when we were sitting here, we were really kind of both defending him during free agency when they didn't get Trent Williams. It's like, look, the, the, the guy went to the – mattress for I mean what else do you want like they they were they went and got Joe Joe Tooney and spent 80 million a record-setting amount for an interior offensive lineman and almost spent the most ever on a left tackle and then proceeded to land Orlando Brown anyway like they the Chiefs are extremely aggressive with Beach they are that's how they and you know so I'll give you a name that I think is an interesting name so what if you know we start talking about let's say they get into the season for whatever the reason, injury or just performance, they're not thrilled at the corners. Okay, that happened a couple of years ago, and the Chiefs were inches away from trading for Earl Thomas before he broke his leg. Right, like they were they were ready to trade for him, and then he gets hurt, and and, and you know what happens happens. Now, I think like for an example, I think the Eagles this year are probably going to be pretty bad. They're rebuilding. Um, it's it's not a good team. It's a team with a lot of cap issues. Okay, what about Darius Slay? Like there's a top five corner in the league who's sitting on that team. He signed through 2023. Okay, he's he just turned 30 years old. If the Chiefs were to trade for him, his cap hit this year is 6.6 million. Okay, now his cap hit goes way up to 22 million in 2022 and 23 million the following year. But you know the Chiefs could always, you know, if they had to, they could always restructure the deal. They could always, they could even cut him in, a, in an emergency move. I'm not sitting here telling you I think it's likely they're going to trade for Darius Slay. Like that's a lot of money to take on. I'm just saying there are guys out there, and he's just an example of someone who I think is a really good player who's out there. I'll give you another guy, actually, who I, I actually think there's a very good chance gets gets traded, and I want to pull up his contract right now. It's Stephon Gilmore with the Patriots. Now you'd say, well, would the Patriots trade him to the Chiefs. <laughs> Would uh, the Ravens trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs? It turns out, yeah, they would. And Belichick, I don't think, would care. 
Um, Gilmore is only signed for this year. He's only signed for this season. And if you're the Chiefs, especially if you extend Matthew, you could take him on for this year. Like if you're Kansas City, and look, you get the week week six, or you can maybe even get the end of the camp. Like I think that's a guy who maybe you're making a phone call on. I, I so there there's always going to be guys out there, and maybe the Chiefs do nothing, but there there are options. There are options to be had, and very good ones to be had at that position should they decide to go that route. Yeah, and you never know when a trade might happen. All of a sudden, and we're going to talk about Tyron Matthew and his extension here in a minute, but. All of a sudden, they extend Tyron Matthew, and then all of a, a trade happens, right? Like these things could happen very quickly, and and we got to get through the preseason. Look, injuries are going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt, maybe in preseason. I'm knocking on wood here, but like it happens every year, happens to almost every team. Hopefully, it's nobody really important. So keeping at a little bit of flexibility when you've got Frank Clark and you've got John Reed and you've got Chris Jones. And being like, maybe we just see how the lay of the land is here in a couple of months. Um, that's smart. I think it's smart by Beach. Okay, let's talk about, speaking of, of pass rushers, let's talk about Frank Clark really quickly. I just wanted to mention, uh, if you listen to the Airhead Attic podcast, there's obviously two versions. The Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor version, which comes out on, on usually on Mondays. Uh, Sterling's on vacation. As, as Matt said, he believes Sterling is, is, uh, floating down the Ohio River somewhere. He had Ellen Mathis on, our legal contributor to Arrowhead Attic. And Ellen's terrific. She's, um, she's been around the site for a long time. And she unfortunately has to pop up every time one of the Chiefs players does something dumb or gets in trouble. And, and, and she tells us what the hell to expect from a legal perspective. So as you all know, Frank Clark was arrested. It sounds like maybe twice there are potentially two gun charges. There was something in March and then something over the summer. It's all a little bit confusing, but she was on the podcast. And what she said was with this court date that Frank has coming up in October, she expects that, you know, you hear basically what she said was, and you should listen to the episode to get actual like better commentary on this. But what she said was, you know, you hear three years, potential prison, felony. It all sounds really bad. She said, but the reality of the situation is in, in these things, oftentimes what will happen is the person won't serve any jail time. It's always up to the prosecutor, of course, but they won't serve any jail time. They'll get fined. They'll plead. They'll settle with the prosecutor, right? So it doesn't go to trial. And she also mentioned there's a reasonable doubt thing here that, you know, if it goes to trial, prosecutor's got to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you know, Frank Clark is guilty of this. And Frank Clark has said, it's not, it wasn't my Uzi, it was my bodyguard's Uzi. And to Ellen's point, she said, if, if Frank Clark gets up on the stand and he says, it wasn't my Uzi, and his bodyguard gets up on the stand and says, it was my Uzi, there's your reasonable doubt. And it's going to be tough to, uh, to prove it, right? Um, so it's unlikely to go to trial and she thinks nothing's going to happen. She thinks he's going to plead, pay a fine. Maybe the NFL suspends him and that it could go, it could not get settled in the fall, that it could end up getting pushed into the summer sometime. And, and the chiefs have Frank Clark for all 17 games. What's your take on all of this further? And we touched on it briefly before you went on vacation. How do you see this all playing out? And what do you think about Frank Clark? I mean, look, it's a dumb thing to do. He got himself in trouble. And I don't know what Frank Clark is guilty or not guilty of. Um, 
but driving around with a, with a submachine gun in the vehicle is never a great idea. Like, look, you're driving around and you've got to be aware of what's going on. Um, I will defer to Ellen, who, who is a lawyer. Uh, I am not. So I will, I will stay out of the legalities. But I, I think, um, you know, look, from, from just kind of chatting about this with some people around the league, I, I don't know that the, you know, the team is ultra concerned about it in the sense of like how much time he's going to miss. Uh, like this is thankfully, it's not a crime where someone got hurt. It's not a crime of violence. It's, 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 you know, uh, it's, it's an alleged crime of, of really of just of carelessness, but it's not one where there's a victim. So I think that's a big difference. You know, this is not a domestic violence issue or a DWI where someone was injured, or even a DWI where someone wasn't, and, and you know someone really could have been. Um, so I do think this is different. Like I, I would be floored if the NFL was like eight games. I just I can't imagine that's going to happen. I, you know, could I see a game or two? Yeah, maybe. You know, I, for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, the NFL doesn't need to have a guilty to to levy some some punishment, but. You know, I, I think in the end, I don't think the Chiefs are going to make a move based off of what's gone on with Frank Clark. And, and I think, you know, there's a chance he does play every game and just pays a fine. But I, I don't, I don't foresee this being something that's going to be a huge issue for the team. I, I don't. And I, I think in the end, uh, you know, it's, it's hopefully a lesson learned for Clark. And he's got to focus on the season. Because if he doesn't have a great year, he's not going to be in Kansas City next season. There's no way when you look at his contract. So this is this is effectively a contract year for Clark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's not doing himself any favors off the field, that's for sure. So speaking of players that may or may not be here in the future, everybody wants to know what's going on with the Tyron Matthew situation. There has been not a peep on social media. We're not hearing anything. And from what you were telling me before we started the podcast, you're not hearing much either. No. Um, and, I, and I've I've tried to. I have made a concerted effort to. Um, d- nobody's hearing anything. Nobody that I've talked to, nobody that, you know, when, I, when I've talked to sources I have in the league, um, it's, been, it's been incredibly quiet around Tyron Matthew. And in my experience covering the NFL – that is usually a sign that things are going well compared to not. Usually, usually if things are bad, one side, if not both sides, will air it out a little bit and say, Hey, look, you know, the, you know, the contract demands are unreasonable. You know, here's the issue. None of that's happening. And apparently not just with me, but nobody. I mean, you have not heard a word about this, not from ESPN, not from NFL Network, not from Athletic, not from anywhere. I mean, nowhere. None of these none of these outlets, including ours, have been able to really get any news on this. If I had some, certainly, you know, that I could share, I'd pass it along. I don't. It's been very, very quiet around Tyron Matthew. And that lends me to believe that maybe both sides are saying, look, let's not, let's not screw anything up. Let's not inflame it. Let's work quietly. Um, usually when that happens, that means there's at least a mutual respect. There's a belief that something can get done because otherwise you start hearing it in the media. You just do. I mean, that's just the way this stuff works. Somebody leaks something. Um, right now, nothing. And so I think while it is frustrating for a Chiefs fan, why is this guy not signed? He should be. I'll tell you this. I do know that the Chiefs have an immense amount of respect for Tyron Matthew. 
as a player and as, as an individual. They have a lot of value for him. So I don't think this is a scenario where, you know, fans love him, teammates love him, but the team thinks maybe the role is overvalued. I, I do not think that's the case. I, I think Kansas City has a lot of, of admiration for Tyron Matthew. And Tyron Matthew has been very open about the fact that he wants to stay there. So when you have that, I, I do think eventually, look, the bridge is going to get gapped here. Or the gap will be bridged and they'll figure this out. And it's important that they, they do figure this out because with Orlando Brown also on a one-year deal, and my understanding is talking to sources and back when this that trade went down, they were fine with kind of letting it play out, letting the year play out. Both sides were cool with that, revisit the talks after. I think the idea was always, well, look, let's tag him. Well, if Tyron Matthew doesn't get an extension, uh, somebody's hitting the market. And if you're the Chiefs, you do not want either one of those guys getting a free agency. So it's imperative that they sign Tyron Matthew before we start getting down that road. And once you get into camp, well, they could still extend him in camp. That's totally possible. It happens all the time. But then it becomes a little bit more of a, okay, it really better happen now before the season starts. Once the season starts, all bets are off. Guy gets hurt, something happens, everything changes. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I, what is the rush? I mean, obviously, look, Tyron Matthew would like the security. He would appreciate it from the team. There's, I understand that relationship part of it. But if you're Brett Veach and you've got Orlando Brown and you've got Tyron Matthew and you're going into the season and you got, you know, Travis Kelsey getting older, you know, Holmes is starting to make more money, a lot of stuff to figure out. Is there harm in just being like, look, man, you're signed through the year. We'll see how the season goes. And like, cause things happen. I mean, if if Tyron Matthew blows, God forbid, don't want this to happen. But you got to think about risk management. If you're Brett Veach, he's getting a little older too. If he blows out his knee or something, and you're like, man, he's toast. He just he's gonna he's gonna be gone for a year. Is that what you're thinking? Is it like, hey man, like I've got a lot of moving parts. I'm just gonna see how this season goes, and then we'll figure everything out. I. I think that is a monumental risk for the player of Tyron Matthews' stature. He has been a first-team All-Pro each of the two years he's been in Kansas City. I believe he will be a Hall of Famer. He's on an all-decade team. He's, I believe, a three-time first-team All-Pro. I mean, this is someone who is also the leader of your football team. He is, he is every bit, and I didn't, I didn't stutter. He's every bit the leader of that team that, that Patrick Mahomes is. If you let that guy walk out the door, and he's a three-time first-team All-Pro. All decade team, two time Pro Bowler. I mean, this is a guy who he's he's got a very good chance of going into Canton, Ohio one day, and I, I think will, especially with the Super Bowl champs, captain, all that. I get it. Like, yeah, it's possible. You know, but he's he's not even thirty yet, and he's twenty nine years old. Like, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm, I'm paying him. I'm so, and he's the kind of guy too. He'll age well because he's so great because he's so smart. Like, yeah, part of it. Yeah, he's athletic, but. He's smart. I mean, the reason he's such a great player is he's a brilliant player. When you watch him, he's one of the most instinctive players I've ever seen. So, and I, and also, what kind of message does that send to the rest of the room? You're not signing that guy, right? Like, you, you better extend that guy. With all due respect to Frank Clark, you just paid him a fortune. You just paid Joe Tooney a fortune. And Joe Tooney's a damn good player. Joe Tooney's never played it down for the Chiefs. You got to keep your own. 
he is delivering. And I, I said the same thing when they were talking about trying to figure out how to find, sign Clark Jones and Eric Clark Jones, Chris Jones. And you get the occasional fan and say, well, shouldn't pay him. It's too much money. No, no, no. You pay Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a great player. He's your guy. You take care of your own. And Brett Peach has done that, by the way. Mahomes, Jones, Kelsey, Hill, Fisher, Schwartz, who they, who they re-upped. Like, you, you do that. And it sends a message. If you play well here, you get paid here. You don't have to go elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's one of the big mistakes right now going on, you know, around the league and some of these other teams. But you look at a team, um, you know, like like the pay Devontae Adams. Like, that shouldn't even be a hard negotiation. You just pay him. Period. Yeah, I, I don't care what it co- you pay him. He's a phenomenal player. You make it. You make it work. You figure it out. Um, Allen Robinson with the Bears. But that's crazy. That guy's been incredible. You pay him. I understand the idea of, look, you know what? You want to keep flexibility, but you cannot lose Tyron Matthew. Like, if that defense does not have Tyron Matthew, the defense doesn't work. He is asked to do so much for them. You know, we talked about the corners earlier. Well, guess who can play corner if they need him to? Tyron Matthew, right? Like, he is the joker of that defense. He is he is the movable part. And so to not have him would be crushing. I think they, they have to get it done. And I, I think they will, by the way. But I think they have to. So you're saying if you're looking at it on just on paper, right? Like, or if you're playing Madden, right? If you're playing Madden, do you, you don't need to sign Tyron Matthew right now because he's a robot. (laughs) Yeah. It's Madden. Just do the smart thing. So what you're saying is some of these guys in the NFL, some of these GMs, maybe they're getting a little too analytical. They're missing the, the human element, which we know that like, this is what's causing problems in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and managing his. Do you like if you know? And Andy Reid, we know Andy Reid is so good at managing relationships, and players love him. And Brett Veach is working with Andy Reid. That they're taking that point of view, which is players are going to want to come here because they know they're going to be treated well. And you know, if they see a situation where you like you don't extend Tyron Matthew, he gets hurt, and you're like, ah, look, we dodged a bullet there. Other players are going to be like, man, I don't know if I want to go play there. They're not going to look out for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That stuff matters. Teams notice it. Guys talk that the NFL's fraternity. Guys, if you were treated really crappy at your job, you probably wouldn't be recommending coming to the company, right? Like these teams are companies, literally. Like that's what they are. They're 32 companies joined by the league. So of course that stuff matters. And by the way, the Chiefs have a great reputation around the league. And I'm not just saying that. That is true. I mean, that is something, and that's not always the case. They used to have a nickname, the Chiefs, okay, years ago when Peterson ran that team. So, and obviously back then I was not even a reporter. I was in, I was in high school and college, but I've heard the stories. They are well respected now. They spend the money. They, they give out big guaranteed money. That stuff matters. They give years. They don't always cut guys in years where they could have saved money on the cap. They have a coach in Andy Reid who's a player's coach. Like te- guys want to play for teams like them. Because they know they're going to get paid. They know they're going to get treated fairly. And they got a coach who's not going to come down the player for every little thing and allows them to express themselves. The other reason it's not Madden, okay, you could wait Madden. You could wait till after the year. Well, if you're Tyron Matthew and you're like, look, you didn't have enough respect for me to sign me before the season. I just, let's say he turns out another all pro year. Well, what the hell? You might as well hit the market at that point and say, look, maybe I'll come back, but you're paying through the nose now. You're paying every single dime and then some. Right, I have no reason to sign in January or February. I'm not going to get hurt. I'll just wait. So, and as far as the analytical stuff, don't get me started. That stuff drives me insane. 
it is the most overrated bag of garbage. Now, look, there, I, I think there are times in terms of breaking down positional value and, and on-field performance that analytics are really helpful. I, I'm not one of these people who thinks analytics has no place in the game. I certainly think that there is a healthy value for it. But I hate to see football become baseball. It's also a sport I love. Where my Oakland A's, who basically are responsible for the revolution, okay, there's this idea in baseball, for example, that batting average just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. All that matters is how many home runs you hit and all these other statistical measures that are based off of these formulas, okay, like war. I defy, I defy anybody to tell me with the, with war, okay, which is wins above replacement, which is, by the way, finding its way to football now. How the hell do you actively quantify that without just some guesswork involved? You don't. There's no, there's no actual statistic for that. It's a bunch of formulas, which is fine. Okay. But, but it has to be taken with a grain of salt. There's, there's an idea again, going back to, well, batting average doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if you strike out, right? I argue with that completely. Let's say you have a guy on first base, okay, nobody out, and you hit two ground balls, and you're out on those ground balls, but the guy gets to third base with two outs. Well, now the hitter is probably not going to see that pitcher's nasty splitter in the dirt because the ball might get away, and then the run might score. Well, the pitcher wouldn't care about burying one in the dirt if the two guys had struck out previous, so now your hitter doesn't have to worry about that splitter in the dirt. Maybe he hangs that splitter, and, he, and the ball gets ripped down the line for a double. It's a game of inches at the professional level, right? And so I think analytics overlooks that sometimes. It's always a zero-sum game with analytics. They're not thinking about the inches that really a lot of times determine who's going to be the champion and who's not. It's great stuff. And while we're talking about Tyron Matthew, he's on Twitter right now as we're recording this. And a, and a Twitter is. account, yeah, he is, <laughs> the, uh, the 33rd team. Uh, at the 33rd team, FB tweeted out, out of all DBs, minimum 200 snaps in the slot last year, Tyron Matthew allowed the lowest completion percentage, 58.8%. And Tyron Matthew, six minutes ago, retweeted that and and just wrote, I'm not a good football player. I'm getting old. <laughs> so I guess you know exactly where his head's at these days and what he's maybe seeing people say on Twitter uh, maybe we shouldn't sign him. He's getting old, those types of things. Um, so Tyron Matthew is, uh, he's good. He's still really good. And hopefully the Chiefs can get the, the, the deal done and he can go into the season feeling good about his position with the franchise. Let's take our last break. And on the other side, we've got some reader reviews. You guys came through. I put out a call last week. To, to get us get us rolling again on Apple Podcasts and you guys came through. So it's time for your reward. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Arrowhead Attic Podcast, Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen. We're going to get into the reader reviews in just a second. I just got to say, Verderam, I am so damn excited for the season. Like, I can I can taste it. It's like we're, we're in the middle of late July here. I'm starting to think about fantasy football I'm starting to, you know, like all those things. And I just, I'm, I'm, you know, we just bought a house and I'm like looking around the house and I'm thinking like, okay, what's my football setup going to be? Am I going to watch in the basement? Am I going to watch in the living room? Like, do I want to have, you know, I want to have an alternate TV up in the bedroom or something when I want to go up there. It's just like the whole thing. It's just like Christmas day right. right now. I'm so excited. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I can't wait. I'm always excited for like right now. I'm looking at like, I just got back from vacation. 
Uh, I got a buddy of mine, a best friend of mine coming out next week. We're going to go to the, the National Sports uh, Collectors Convention, which I know sounds like the nerdiest thing in the world. It might be. But, um, I love, I love sports memorabilia. So I will, I will be there a couple of days next week. It's in Chicago. I cannot wait. I'm going to go and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to clean house to an aggressive level. In fact, um, I'm not, well, these days doing what I do for a living, you know, I'm not big on like going up to athletes and getting autographs. I mean, that's just, it's, a, it's completely unprofessional when you're actually in a working capacity. But, uh, I do have a full size cheese helmet and at this show. Will Shields and Curly Cole will actually be there. So. I'll get oh, that, nice. uh, get the bad boy signed. Um, and I, I'll get some other stuff as well. I'll probably get a couple signed baseball bats, some jerseys, maybe a couple full size helmets. I'm, I'm on the warpath for a, a Joe Montana 49ers helmet, but regardless, I'm excited for that. And then I got one more vacation in me. I got a week to go to San Francisco in mid August. And then, I, but, but in between and around all that is football is actual football. And I can't wait. You know, we, we have a little bit to go. Until the Chiefs start their preseason schedule, but not much. Um, you know, they, they kick off August 14th. I'm actually, it's actually in San Francisco. I will be in San Francisco that day. So, um, yeah, out there, I might go to the game. We'll see. Uh, if I can convince my wife that it's a worthy cause, but yeah, August 14th, we're less than a month away from that. I mean, it's, it's coming up. It's really coming up. It's, it's exciting. And it's, it's fun and, you know, it's always fun. It's always cool when the, when, you know, teams are back. But when the team that you, in this case, support or cover, whatever, are, is, is the Super Bowl favorite, that's, that's awesome. And they start July 28th, full practice. So less than a week away. You know, I can, I can get you a note that you need to work, uh, for that Chiefs preseason game. That it's very important for the company that you go if, if you you know uh just let me know i can i can pull some strings um get that Thank done you. for you I, yeah i might i might have to i might have to do that because i i brought that up to uh to staff and she kind of looked at me like are you are you serious it's her first day out there <laughs> I'm like, like come on yeah, she's like does yeah. it even matter yeah not really but i'd still like to go <laughs> i i to you gotta be careful with this marriage stuff. I tweeted out this morning. There was yeah. somebody was. Did you see that? Yeah, that uh, first night of my honeymoon, Chief Steelers on uh, back in 2012. Yeah. Um, I watched that game, and uh, my wife fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> so, and 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 Matt Castle threw an interception in overtime, and and that was the end of that. But I think that ball might have gotten tipped. Um, I still don't think you should have been throwing it, but I think it might have gotten. Either tipped. way, hell with them. The hell with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, oh, one thing, Verdram, before we get into these reviews. So you probably saw this on social media. We bought the house. There's a blueberry bush in the backyard. I did not know this. You know, you're looking at spring. Things aren't blooming. It just looks like a bush. And it bloomed. I got about two pounds of blueberries off that sucker. And last weekend, I made a pie with blueberries from my backyard it was absolutely incredible. I got one piece left. I'm going to eat it for lunch, I think, today. And so then that got me thinking, what? Now, we all know, anybody who's ever listened to this podcast know you and I have an affinity for peanut butter, peanut butter pie. So I want to I want to move this out of the realm of, of, of like chocolate, French silk, and peanut butter into the fruit pie section, right? Blueberry, cherry, apple, peach, 
What's your go-to fruit pie? I only like one. Apple. apple really? Pie. I love apple pie. My nana used to make a hell of an apple pie. Back the, the real thick crust. Oh, thick beautiful. crust is the way to go. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So good. I was warm out of the oven. Oh, my God. I could eat that whole thing if I had the opportunity. Great. My crust is favorite. But when you said you're taking out French soap pie and chocolate peanut butter pie, then you might as well take the whole pie genre and throw it right in the garbage. Right. I, <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah. Okay. Because those, those are easily my two choices. But, yep. um, yep. And, and by the way, like, if, if there's a real good blueberry pie, like, I'm, you know, I'm open to it. Um, I, I don't like peach. I never have. I just don't like yeah, peaches I'm not in a big general. Peach guy. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big, like, meringue guy. Some people love meringue or like, key lime. My wife does. I'm not. It's not my deal. I'm not, you know, some people love pecan pie. Not my deal. But yeah, if, if we're talking just fruit, apple apple pie is a clear runaway winner for me. I'm a cherry pie guy. I think yeah. cherry pie is like the greatest thing ever. I don't understand why people consider apple pie like the all-American. I like apples, but give me some cherry pie all day. My old man, I think he's a... He likes key lime, but I think he's a banana, a banana cream guy. I was never a banana cream guy. I I hate bananas. I I, I hate bananas, so I am out. I, I I look first of all, anyone who who knows what I look like. I mean, I'm I'm six two, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Like I'm not like fruit is not at the forefront of my diet, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let's be real about that. Like literally, when we get off this podcast, I'm going to go make like a PB and J. That's what's happening. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah. I, you know, so it, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at a bowl of Reese's pieces on my desk. I mean, it's just, it's, it, yeah. it's listen, life is not going to be long for me, but I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. Um, yeah. Enjoy it. And, but, and, oh, underrated rhubarb pie, strawberry I've never rhubarb, had pie. rhubarb pie. I can't, I can't, I can't speak to it. I've never had it. Yeah. All right. Let's so, get I will say shout out though to first slice in Chicago. Yes. Place makes amazing, but my God, by the way, how are they not sponsoring this podcast? Right. This is a, a yeah. travesty and an overlook. We're going to uh, have to make a call. Yeah. I mean, they, if we can just get, if we can just get a, a peanut butter pie each a month, we'll do, I'll do I the read for They don't even have Sorry, to Sorry, Manscaped. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like, look, like, send me a pie. I'll tell you actually real quick, I'm going to move on. Funny story. When I was living in Chicago, when I was engaged to staff, we were living there at the time and she went on a girls' weekend. Get where the hell she went. I think it was like Lake Geneva or something. So I'm I'm literally home completely by myself. I mean, this is pre-major when I ain't kid you. And I'm like, man, like, what am I gonna do? It was in the summer, really hot, like oppressively hot. But that pie shop, like one of the first sliced pie shops, was literally like three blocks down the street. And I was like, I know what I'm gonna do. And I walked down there, and I got a peanut butter chocolate pie. And I was like, look, I'm just gonna have a slice a day. It'll be great. Okay, I got a full size, like 30 bucks. I ate that whole thing over the course of the weekend. It was incredible. I, I, I got rid of the evidence before Steph came home. I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to this podcast, so she'll never know. But I housed that thing. It was beautiful. I was, I was in love. It was like, it was like in the fall, too. So I was sitting there, like, covering, yeah. uh, watching college football in the NFL. I was, <laughs> it was amazing. Incredible. It's incredible stuff. All right. Reader reviews. Yeah. Uh, coming through for us, USAF Chiefs fan. This is not this person's first review. Appreciate you. Uh, they do work. 
Matt, Pat, Matt C., and Sterling are always entertaining, even during the dry season. Birdram's insider information is always enlightening. I recommend listening to Stacking the Box. I do as well. Uh, to help take up your time in between episodes. Look forward to training camp in the upcoming season. We have a question here. Uh, do you think we will see a deal similar to Patrick Mahomes or better in the near future? If so, who do you think it will be? So is there going to be another half a million dollar man? I think this stuff is inevitable, right? Like, it's the way it goes. Hey, man, that contract, that contract's so massive. I don't think anybody's getting paid that for a while. I don't. I don't think anybody's seen five hundred million for a while. I mean, nobody else has seen two hundred million. I mean, you're just the gap is insane. Plus, he's so unique and he's so great. Like you would have to be. Okay, let's put it this way. Let's. This is the easiest way to put this. Josh Allen is is due for a contract extension, or at least he's eligible for one, right? And and we all assume that the Bills are going to take care of Josh Allen. If Josh Allen was given $500 million, people would assume the Bills lost their minds. And Josh Allen was a second-team All-Pro with Mahomes last year. But that kind of goes to show like, like nobody thinks Josh Allen's getting that, right? If he gets five years and $200 million, that's fine. That's a good deal. I don't think anybody thinks Mahomes is getting that, or excuse me, that Allen's getting that um, kind of a deal that Mahomes got. It's just, it's he's so unique. He's so great. And... He's so accomplished. Like that's the other part. You can be that great or that talented, but if you don't have the accomplishments to go with it, then the team can say, "Well, look, you're great, but we haven't, you know, we haven't gotten a Super Bowl yet. We haven't won." Mahomes is. I mean, not, not at the time he hadn't gotten a second Super Bowl yet, but he was the MVP of the league. He was the Super Bowl MVP. He won him. You know, he won him the Super Bowl. You know, he made all the plays at the end. You know, and so on and so forth. I mean. The Chiefs basically looked at that and were like, well, what else does he have to do? You know, he's a great guy off the field by all accounts, right? Like, so I, I don't think we're seeing 500 million for a long time. I don't. I think Mahomes is going to be the standard bearer with that for a while. And you're right. Normally, it's like the next guy trumps that guy and so on and so forth. Yeah. His yeah. contract is so far out there. I, no, I think he's going to be the standard bearer for years to come. Maybe what we'll see is somebody gets in. Oh, there's a hummingbird right outside my. I, I never saw really hummingbirds before, and now we've got all these tiger lilies in the new house, and it's uh, it's it's pretty damn cool to see. It's the second time I've seen one, um, so sorry for the distraction. But um, so I think yeah, like maybe somebody gets in the neighborhood with him yearly. Maybe they're even making more than him on a per year basis at some point because they sign a shorter term contract. Uh, one of those types of things as things go here. But the commitment that the Chiefs made to Mahomes is special, and that was a. Look, yeah. you're you're Mr. Kansas City. We're locking you up. What you've done is unprecedented so early in your career that that's a special kind of thing. And 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 I think Josh Allen is is a very good quarterback, but he's not Patrick Mahomes and the Bills would be dumb to to I think try to sign him to that kind of deal so early, right? And I think that's an excellent point. Um so thank you USAF Chiefs fan. Uh, let's go to the next one. Next reader review. This came from Batman2287. I didn't know Batman listened to the podcast. That's pretty cool. Love this podcast. I am a huge fan of Locked On Chiefs, and they do episodes every day. I was looking for more than just a half hour once a day. While this podcast isn't every day, the content that they cover is worth listening to. 
Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam are such a great team, and I have laughed out loud as well as learned so much. They make, uh, they even make something as off the wall as talking about cereal funny. I don't miss an episode. Thanks for all the work you guys put in. Keep it up. Here is my review again. Appreciate you, Batman. Awesome, uh, very kind words, and and we're glad. We wish we could do this every day. Uh, to be honest with you, sit down and talk cheese for 20 minutes, but my God, are we both busy? <laughs> so that's why we brought Sterling yeah. and Matt Connor on to, to help, uh, diversify things a little bit here. So, um, next review comes from KC Chiefs. This was from the 16th tremendous podcast. Your podcast is a must listen. Can't express enough. Can't express that enough. Always providing us with incredible insight and content on everything chiefs and really enjoy all the extras on the side the whole group pa and mv and mc and sh are awesome please keep it rolling as for names uh because i asked these guys <laughs> how that who what the hell were we going to call kelsey moving forward he said i have to keep it kelsey i just think it fits his personality um i think his mom set the record straight and was like it's kelsey they're they're pulling your leg some sort of thing. So I don't know. Cause last week, I don't know if you heard the podcast. I talked, Jason Kelsey was on the radio and he did, like did this whole explanation about half the family's Kels, but they're Kelsey and his dad's just lazy. I don't know. I'm calling him Travis Kelsey. That's, uh, that's it for me. It's Kelsey. It's Kelsey. Yeah. Just stop. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, as someone who has a last name that also ends in an E that gets butchered constantly. Listen, it's Kelsey. Okay. He's gone by Kelsey his entire career. I've heard him talk about himself, and I've heard the name come out of his mouth, Kelsey, a million times over. He, that argument, thank God I was on vacation for that. If I had to weigh in on that in a meaningful way, I would have, I would have lost my mind. So uh, I, I will not do so here. Got it. Uh, this one came from, uh, uh, is that a J? Iosu. And then a bunch of numbers. Uh, great talk show. Love listening to all things Chiefs with these guys. Really appreciate you. That also came in on the 16th. And then lastly, you know who it is. It's our guy, Clint. Never lets us down PR on manager. the 14th. <laughs> My favorite podcast. I never miss this podcast. I'm excited for every new episode, and I'm never disappointed. Check it out. I have a question. Are the Chiefs becoming the Raiders? Gag. I ask this because the Chiefs have unfortunately become known as a team that turns a somewhat blind eye to off-field issues, just as the Raiders once were. As a lifelong Chiefs fan, this pseudo-reputation is troubling to me. There comes a point where Joe Delaney and LDT are overshadowed by Belcher, Hill, and Clark in public's perception. Am I way off base here? Thanks, Clint. You know, I was thinking about this too. Uh, I was sort of like, man... I, it's like every offseason, something happens with the Chiefs player. I don't, I don't love it. That doesn't take away from all of the great, you know, non-legal troubles and, and players that the Chiefs have and have had over the years. But the fact of the matter is these negative stories stand out. What do you right. think, Verderam? I think that a lot of teams turn a blind eye to a lot of things. Um, now I'll, I'll put Javon Belcher aside because the Javon Belcher tragedy happened when this current regime was not here. I mean, ownership was here, but Brett Beach and, and Andy Reid were not with the team then. So I, I, won't, I won't go there because I don't think that's fair to those guys. Um, although I understand Clint's point because Clark Hunt was certainly the owner then. Um, also, Belcher had no criminal history. And then obviously just it went horribly that, you know, the, the day that everything went down with, with his, you know, murdering his, his girlfriend and then 
committing suicide at at, at the stadium. Um, with Hill, of course, when they drafted him, it was known what had happened when he was at Oklahoma State. Um, and then and then you know Frank Clark, he had issues that got him you know legal issues regarding um and domestic violence where he got. He got, I believe, booted off the team in Michigan. I just want to make sure I'm right with that. But it happened while he was at the University of Michigan. Um, and, and so, look, obviously, yes, he was, he was kicked off. He pleaded not guilty. It was a, a, an issue of, uh, domestic violence in a hotel room. Okay. Um, and he was arrested for domestic violence. So the, the, the Chiefs have certainly turned the blind eye to some things. I mean, there's, there's no arguing that. I'm not here to tell you how you should feel about it, whether or not you, you know, there's some people who say, look, I'm rooting for a football team. I want them to win and, and I'm not looking for them for the moral high ground and you're entitled to feel that way. I believe that the Chiefs have a responsibility to the community. I mean, they represent the community. They're the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not just the Chiefs. They have a responsibility to make sure that the people they bring into the community are good people, standing citizens. Um, now that all said, look, um, in the end, they are there to try to win games. And if they don't win games, they lose their job. And Tyree Kill is a Hall of Fame level player. Frank Clark's a very good player who, since he's been in the NFL, for what it's worth, has been, as far as we know, squeaky clean. I mean, it, you know, it's come up this offseason, obviously, we know about, but it's not a violence based thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I would go as far to say that, you know, they're like the, uh, the Raiders used to be. And the Raiders really took on just a lot of guys who had, they were kind of known as like the halfway house of the NFL because they took on so many misfits and, 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 you know, oddball characters. Uh, but it's a hard question to answer because I think a lot of teams do what the Chiefs have done. I mean, a lot of teams are willing to bring in guys with a checkered past if they're talented. And that's what Kansas City has done. But I understand the angst from fans who go, look, I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. It makes me concerned. It, it worries me. Obviously, you know, not that he's a player, but everything that happened with Britt Reed right before the Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs do find themselves in the news for this kind of stuff. And, hey, it's fair to criticize him over that. So I just think it matters. It really comes down to your perspective. You look at it and say, I want everybody on the team to be without any kind of a record, that's the most important thing. Is it, you know, the character of the person I'm rooting for? Or is it, look, I'm willing to oversee a few things, even if there's some heinous things, because I want the team to win. And I, I'm not here to tell you how to root, but I do think, yeah, you know, if you're well within your right to feel like, man, you know, some of that stuff makes me uncomfortable. And, and, and I, I wouldn't blame you if you felt that way. I will say just a quick correction on on Frank Clark. He was arrested for domestic violence in 2014. Yes. Um, you had said that he. I think you said he was squeaky clean since he came in the league until this. No, firearm I said, thing. since he's been in the NFL. Since oh, since he's been, he's been in the he, NFL. He, got, it, got it. The domestic yeah, yeah. violence arrest was when he was in Michigan. He was kicked off the team. Yes. Um, yeah. And like I said, that just because it happened before the NFL doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right, right. Like, that's right. why you know, I'm saying he comes into the Chiefs with a checkered pass. He does. That sticks with you. That's real. I'm just saying that since he's been in the league now, but look, we could also talk I mean, Kareem Hunt, right? Like that all happened. Uh, and he was kicked off the team. The Chiefs made it kind of clear that he w- wasn't really kicked off the team for, for kicking that woman in a hotel room. He was kicked off the team because he lied about it. Um, look, the, I'll, I'll 
I'll be blunt. My feeling on it is, because I kind of skirted it, my feeling is I don't like a lot of that stuff. I think the Chiefs have have turned the blind eye to it at times. And, you know, what, what Tyreek Hill did when he was at Oklahoma State, you know, and punching his pregnant girlfriend, th- that's unconscionable. That is, look, I, I, I try not to judge people based off their worst moments, okay, because I wouldn't want anybody judging me off my worst moment in life. What happened there was was a, a tragedy. Thankfully, that kid was born and was healthy. But you know what? That that is beside the point. You can't be punching at anybody, let alone your pregnant girlfriend. Okay? They turned the blind eye and they drafted Tyreek Hill. And look, Tyreek Hill ended up being a great player. And so I'm sure the Chiefs privately would say, "Yeah, we would do it again." But you know, look, that is that is a heinous act, and. I can tell you right now, the Chiefs drafted him. I was really uncomfortable. In fact, I think I made a video for us where I said, like, what, why are they, why are they drafting? What are they doing? It's, you are taking a, a big risk when you bring someone in who's got a history of, of violence like that. Um, and with Frank Clark, yeah, I mean, look, he was in, when, during his time in Seattle, from what we know, he was a model citizen. But before that, what happened in Michigan, I mean, Look, again, I'm not trying to judge somebody off their worst moment, but that was a really bad moment for Frank Clark. And that was something that was horrible for, for, you know, the, the victim of that to have to endorse. So there's a, there's a, a, I guess a balance between winning at all costs, which is what the NFL is about, let's be honest, and also being a responsible organization. I do think at times the Chiefs have towed and then crossed that line. And that's something that they have to answer to. And, you know, fans have to wrestle with. And I think that's just the reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, listen, everybody, not to end on a, on a, on a down note, but that was, that was the question we were asked. And that was, you know, it's, uh, it's a tricky situation with your fandom and following these players and wanting to root for the guys on the field and rooting for the name on the front of the jersey sometimes rooting for the name on the back of the jersey and sometimes it's just complicated it just is and you have to and we don't know everything that goes on we don't know what happened exactly with Tyree Kill and we don't know what happened exactly with Frank Clark and all these things the ins and outs um, so it, it puts you in a difficult position as a fan and you just hope that the organization does their due diligence makes makes the right decision to protect the community and uh, and, and the people around the, the Kansas City Chiefs so it's 14 days until the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. I don't... I said this last week. Yeah, some people were like, ah, the Hall of Fame game. They've been in camp for like a week. You know, it's like, it's terrible. They're just going... It's a, it's a glorified scrimmage. I don't care. I will watch anything at this point. I said last week, move the Hall of Fame game up into July. That'd be great by me. I want to see these guys out there. Even if it's just for a, a couple of snaps, who is it? It's this. Is it the Steelers and the Cowboys? Is that who? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Thursday, August fifth, seven p.m., the NFL Hall of Fame game, and then the preseason will kick off on August twelfth, and and we get an extra week of football this year. So all good things. All good things if you're an NFL junkie like we are. All right. We are going to get out of here. It's great to have you back, Matt. I'm excited for the season. I know you are. Thank you all for listening. We're looking forward to a great season coming up here. 
uh, our second with the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. And really, audiences continue to grow in the offseason. You guys are the best. So head on over to Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. If you've been lurking out there listening to us talk about pie and cereal and you want to support us, buy Manscaped. Send us Manscaped. pie. Send us pie and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a question in your review and we will answer it just like we did a minute ago on the podcast. From Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.